It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Could the SEC finally be giving some normalcy to conference realignment just a year after they turned it up on its head? We'll talk about that. We'll also preview the safeties position for BYU as part of our position group previews ahead of training camp for the Cougars and catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports. One of the all-timers in BYU women's basketball will not return to Provo. we got all that and more ahead on today's edition of Locked on Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Our title sponsor today is our good friends over at LinkedIn. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. All right. Our goal here with this podcast simply state is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room. The way we do that is to do daily podcast talking all things Cougars and a big thank you for checking us out by way of introduction. For those of you who may be checking out the show for the very first time, my name is Jake Hatch. Once again, I work for the KSL sports zone in Salt Lake city. I'm the executive producer of DJ and PK on that fine radio station have been in that position for almost a decade but love doing this podcast been doing it for almost a, what four or five years now crazily enough i think this august will mark our fifth anniversary uh, might be fourth but regardless doing a lot of shows and having a blast doing it along the way. Now, let's get to the topic at hand today, and that is conference realignment. It never ceases to die down. And a new report out of the southeastern part of the country uh, comes by way of Matt Hayes, who is a national college football writer for Saturday Down South, formerly worked for Bleacher Report and other radio stations. He is a radio host, if I'm not mistaken, in the Jacksonville, Florida area, if I'm not mistaken. But he has a report out saying that the preference of SEC presidents is not to expand beyond 60 teams, multiple industry sources tell Saturday down south. Quote, we are positioned at 16 for a robust future, an SEC athletic director told SDS, which stands for Saturday down south, the need just isn't there. Potential future moves on expansion on the expansion front could change that quote-unquote need according to two sources, but conference presidents believe the SEC is positioned well for future growth of college football. Now, If the SEC is serious about this and they're going to stand pat with the 16 teams they have had just a year ago, they turned the college football world up on its head by adding both Oklahoma as well as the University of Texas. Y'all remember that uh, a year ago, this uh, actually a couple weeks from now, it's almost the year anniversary. It was like the final week of uh, July when all that news came out. They turned the college football world on its head and the Big Ten along with Fox kind of responded in kind earlier on this month or late last Last month with the additions of both UCLA and USC to the Big Ten to get themselves to 16 teams, essentially making what we're terming out there the big two conferences, the Big Ten versus the SEC. 
If the SEC is serious about this, but I've got no reason to believe that they uh, that they are serious about this, they're going to stand pat at 16 teams. I actually think that would actually calm the waters when it comes to conference realignment. Will there be inevitable changes with regards to the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC potentially down the road? Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is that potential future moves on the expansion front could change that quote-unquote need. Uh, that screams to me, if the ACC and the grant of rights they currently have with ESPN and the ACC network, which have them locked up through the middle part of the next decade, 2036 to be exact, if for some strange reason or somehow one, two, three, four of those schools decide to challenge that in court and they should prevail and break themselves out of that grant of rights, well... Suddenly, I think the SEC is a little more interested in uh, one one or two or three or four of those schools to get themselves maybe as many as 20 teams. Uh, the other quote here from Matt Hayes reports says, when asked if the Notre Dame to the Big Ten report would be a threatening move, the SEC source said, why? I'll put our product versus anyone's product, so we're just going to have to add schools to add schools. There's no value in that, unquote. And I can just see here in the background, SEC, SEC. Here's the thing. The SEC thinks their you-know-what doesn't stink. We all know that. We we know that they believe they are the biggest, baddest conference. They have won the most national titles in the college football playoff era. Uh, they own this sport right now. The Big Ten is trying to counter the SEC's dominance, but will they ultimately be able to do that? It sure seems like this sport has shifted its power structure to what we like to call the Sun Belt states. That's the SEC. Uh, it's the southern part of the United States. Those schools, they get more sun sunshine and a little warmer climbs when it comes to late in the season. They've had pretty much the run of college football recently, and that's why the SEC really thinks that they are the power player, the power player singular in this sport, and they're not threatened by the Big Ten, allegedly. So, if this is true, like I said, if if all this is true and the SEC is more than content to stand where they're at, that actually, I think, would bring a period of stabilization to the college football universe. Obviously, we're waiting for another shoe to drop with regards to the negotiating uh, window that the uh, Pac-12 has with ESPN and Fox. That is continuing on. They're in it now. They have a 30-day window. I think we're about a week into it at this point, so... That's kind of the next shoe to fall. What will the numbers be for the Pac-10 schools uh, with regards to no UCLA, USC, the other 10 schools? What can they get on the open market, uh, according to ESPN and Fox? That, I think, will be the next shoe to drop. And then at that point, you'll start to hear more and more of whether the Pac-10 is going to coalesce around itself, have Washington, Utah, and Oregon kind of be the dominant programs and just make their own way, which is the 10 schools intact, or do they get upset at the numbers? You start to hear more and more about Washington, Oregon, Utah, Colorado, the Arizona schools all looking for their next landing spot. And at that point, does the Big 12 make a move to make themselves the Big 16, the Big 20? Who knows what they could do? Obviously, there could be partnerships that come out of this with regards to the Pac-12. We've already heard about the quote-unquote loose partnership with the ACC that's been floated out there. Could be something with the Big 12 potentially down the road as well. But the one thing I I can tell you guys, I had a conversation with a person over the weekend, and I I failed to bring this up on yesterday's podcast, and I need to apologize for that. But I can tell you one thing. The Big 12 is not married to the Big 12 name in terms of the brand of the Big 12 conference. Would they like to keep it because it's got a very uh, high brand appeal across the country? People know what the Big 12 brand is all about. That X with the the, the Roman numeral X with the two uh, 
lines. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, the Roman numeral 12. That's a very cool logo. But what I am told is that the Big 12 Conference is not married to sticking with the Big 12 moniker or the Big 12 name. That, that shouldn't be all that surprising because this is a, a conference that was made out of the remnants of the Southwestern Conference, the Big 8. They all kind of came together and renamed themselves the Big 12 in the 1990s. So it's not all that stunning that they would not necessarily be opposed to changing their name. I'm not saying it's going to change. I'm just saying that according to people I have talked to and people that I trust, my quote unquote sources, uh, it sounds like the Big 12 is actually open to potentially changing their name. I, I, I don't know what that name could be or would be, but it sounds like they are willing to branch out and potentially uh, change their name if they need to uh, down the road. So there is a lot going on with conference realignment for sure, but if the SEC is truly content with what they have got, they scooped up Texas and Oklahoma, two of the blue blood power brand uh, teams, and they've essentially uh, made themselves into a stronghold down in the southeastern slash the southwestern part of the United States. They truly think that they are content. That's actually, I think, a good sign for the health and the kind of next steps for the college football universe. Let me also be explicitly clear on this. I am all for the Big 12, even if the Pac-10 decides, well, we're going to stick where they're at. If I'm Brett Yormark, and we're expecting to hear from him at at Big 12 Media Days tomorrow, I believe is when he is scheduled to speak to the media for the very first time as Big 12 Commissioner down there in Dallas, I would love nothing more than for him to say, okay, great, you guys want to stick together, but we're still going to make a play for you guys. You go to Oregon, you go to Washington, you go to the quote-unquote four corner schools with Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools and say, guys, come join us. Help us become the third conference, the third power player in the sport. We'll uh, have the pack, whatever ends up, uh, the remnants end up being, maybe a glorified Mountain West conference, who knows. But we will surpass what the ACC has got. We can make more money as a group, whether it's as a Big 16, a Big 18. You just move forward and be active. The Big 12 is in a good spot right now, but they could put themselves in a fantastic spot relative to where they would fit in in the pantheon of college athletic conferences if they remain aggressive on this front. I'm I'm not reporting anything. I don't have anybody telling me that that's what's going to happen. That is just my plea to Brett Yormark and the Brain Trust, the university presidents and chancellors of the Big 12 conference. Be aggressive. Stay on the attack here. Do not be passive. We have learned being passive is a death knell in many ways for these conferences, especially in the circumstance that the Pac-12 finds themselves in right now. The Pac-10, there's remaining 10 schools. They're all trying to look out for themselves while at the same, same time pledging their support for their conference home. If you're the Big 12, you continue to chase them until they tell you a firm no and see what you can come up with. So some interesting times ahead. There's no doubt about it, but very interesting to hear that report that the SEC is content to sit at 16. Do I believe it? Not necessarily, but at the same time, I know the SEC is trying to make sure that they find the most valuable brands they can get. Well, guess what? The only other brands that are really out there to get reside in the ACC, and you've got to get them out of you got to bail them out of that grant of rights agreement, and that could run into the hundreds of millions of dollars, according to reports. So until you can swallow that type of a, a bill, whether it's the schools inside the ACC or the SEC wants to jailbreak them somehow by promising them money. I I don't know how you would do it, but until that happens, 
it sure feels like the SEC is probably content to stand where they are. There are power players in that ACC conference. I'm sure they would welcome to come in, but for the time being, there's no reason to be hasty about it when you don't need to be. All right. We'll flip back over to more of a BYU focus here in just a moment and talk a little bit about the safeties position. We talked about running backs. uh, The running back position, we previewed it yesterday. It's kind of our countdown to training camp for the BYU football program starting up at the end of this month. Looking forward to that. We'll flip over to the defense and talk about BYU safeties here in a moment. First, though, a word on our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Small businesses are back in business more than ever right now with the pandemic starting to subside a little bit, we hope. But LinkedIn Jobs is here to help it make it easier to grow your team, whether no matter what size company, big, small, in between, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a new job post minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond with the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people, folks. That's a lot of people you can reach out to. They've got simple tools like screening questions will make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and higher moving forward. Also, you can add your job and the purple quote-unquote hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to help spread the word that you are hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire as well. So get over and check it out. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college right now. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show and so much fun to be doing this on YouTube, but also on the traditional podcast format. You guys have been absolutely phenomenal. Our numbers, funny enough, uh, on the YouTube side of things are continuing to absolutely go up, but you regular podcast listeners, you guys are absolutely phenomenal. Thousands of you on both sides supporting this venture and cannot thank you guys enough. Uh, I have promised it. We reached the 1,000 subscriber mark. Uh, I need to get our giveaway uh, all firmed up up. Once we have that, we will make that announcement, hoping to have that later this week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Regular podcast listeners, as well as our YouTube listeners, will all be eligible to win some BYU swag is what I'm currently looking at doing for that thousand, uh, that, what are we doing, that giveaway. So stay tuned. We'll get to that later on in the week. Let's talk a little BYU football now and the safeties position for the Cougars, because I think this is a position group that's going to be very critical to just keeping BYU in games. And the nice part is if you're a BYU football fan on the back end of BYU's defense right now, you have got an absolutely loaded position group. Ed Lamb is the position group uh coach for the safeties group. He has got a number of guys to work with, led by Malik Moore. And I really like 
Malik Moore's game. He had a breakout season, I felt like, a year ago, starting every single game for the Cougars, really holding down the position as it was kind of a revolving cast of characters opposite him. But I really like what he did. He ended up with 32 total tackles, three interceptions, also three pass breakups uh, for the season. And Malik really has grown into this position. Uh, he's got decent size, not necessarily prototypical size for a safety. They list him at six foot one, 190 pounds. So it's not necessarily he's the biggest safety out there. But what he lacks and maybe overall girth and the ability to go downhill and hit a guy, what I love about it is he's absolutely capable of being kind of the quarterback for BYU's defense on that back end. He's barking out the coverage calls. He's making sure guys in the right position. He's taken on a leadership role, and that's what you need from him. He is a red shirt, if I'm not mistaken. He's a senior, officially a senior this year. So this is his final go-around for BYU. I fully expect, should he stay healthy, he'll probably get a look at the NFL level. I'm not necessarily convinced he'll be an NFL draft pick, but if he has one of those ultra-productive seasons, I could see him getting a camp invite from an NFL team to kick the tires on him, and who knows what you can do at that point. Now, the bigger question will be, who is going to be the quote-unquote opposite starter of him? Last year, going into the season, I thought it was going to be Chaz Ayu. Then uh, the injury bug struck BYU at linebacker. Chaz has moved into a hybrid linebacker role, actually played middle linebacker for a little bit of time there for BYU, and he is stuck with that linebacker position. He's going to be playing that flash position, which is more of a hybrid safety linebacker role. So who is going to play the the other safety, true safety job, the strong safety position, I guess is what I would term it. Cause I think Malik Moore is more of the free safety type. Well, I think there are three guys to pay attention to. The guy that was the breakout a year ago was Ammon Hanneman ended up uh, having 28 tackles. Uh, really, I thought finally showed some things. And the biggest thing was him being healthy. We had a conversation with him during BYU spring ball. He mentioned the fact that his first three years at BYU all really just been uh, kind of, he's been out due to injury. He's only a red sophomore, played in 10 games a year ago, had those 28 tackles, starting four for the Cougars. I think he'll get a crack early on in training camp to see if he can continue to build on what he showed down the stretch last season. Obviously, a guy like Hayden Livingston, who's been around BYU for seemingly forever, he played in all 13 games last year, had 13 total tackles, had a fumble recovery, as well as two interceptions. Uh, Hayden Livingston is not the most physically gifted player. There's no doubt about this, but what he lacks in physical prowess, speed, all that stuff, the measurables, he makes up for with his smarts. He seemingly is in a good position every time he's out there on the field, and it helps due to the fact that he played quarterback at the high school level. He actually originally committed to BYU as a walk-on quarterback before being moved to safety, and he's taken to the position relatively well. Could Hayden end up as the starting safety opposite of Malik Moore? I would guess that BYU opts for more athleticism and a guy like... Uh, Oh, who was I just mentioning? I was talking about Malik Moore as well as Ammon Hanneman. Speaking of Hanneman, or they go for this guy that I think is going to be a breakout guy should he stay healthy. Had a very injury-marred year a year ago, but George Udo, the former two-star prospect out of a tiny school in Northern California, Antioch, California, uh, he only had five tackles last year, barely saw the field it felt like in many ways, but the year before that in 2020, had 25 total tackles and really emerged onto the scene I also had three sacks as kind of that uh, hybrid guy playing for BYU. I think George Udo, if he is fully fit from that ACL injury he suffered, as well as some other nagging uh, concerns that held him back a year ago, 
George Udo could emerge as the Ammon Hanneman of this year, but even to a bigger degree. Could start 13 games, could really make himself into an NFL prospect. George Udo is kind of a freak athletically. The list of it's 6'1", 200 pounds, but I have heard he plays actually bigger than that. Uh, somewhere around 210 pounds. Has got all the ability to cover every corner of the field as a safety. There's no concern with him his ability to run with guys. He showed that in the 2020 season when he kind of played a slot cornerback role in many ways. I think he could be the sneaky guy that comes out of training camp as a day one starter against USF, crazily enough. I know that sounds nuts when you have a guy like Ammon Hanneman sitting there, but I think those three guys are going to compete to play opposite of Malik Moore. The bigger concern, though, is you need to have those four guys stay healthy. I think they're your rotators. So that's the biggest thing about this is Ed Lamb has proven he likes to have four safeties that he can rotate at any given time. And I think those will be the four guys I would imagine get the bulk of the reps this year uh, barring any injuries for them. Other names to pay attention to, though, include Talon Alfrey, appeared in one game in 2021, coming back from an Achilles tear that he had in training, actually not training camp, it was the during the summer before training camp last year, so he's a year removed from a torn Achilles. Talon Alfrey was a guy that a lot of people were saying, hey, watch out for this kid. Six foot three, 205 pounds. He's the prototypical safety size, folks. A, a guy who has served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We have barely seen him on the field. Will he be able to live up to the expectations he had coming out of the Pacific Northwest? He's only a redshirt freshman, but keep an eye on him as another dark horse for BYU. Matthew Criddle is back for another season in a BYU uniform. He actually walked during senior day this past year, but decided to give it one more go. He will be a redshirt senior this year. He actually started four games a year ago, playing nine during the 2021 season, kind of playing between the linebacker and safety roles. I think he is kind of number six on this list in terms of guys. If injuries hit, a guy like Matthew Criddle will go out there. He's similar to Hayden Livingston in the fact that he's not necessarily the most physically gifted player, but he gets by on his smarts. Sounds familiar with his older brother, Ben Criddle, doing a similar thing back in the mid-2000s for BYU. Love Ben. I've worked with him for years. Uh, and I think that he's kind of a chip off the old block, speaking of Matthew Criddle. Now, the other names to pay attention to, if you want the true prototypical safety, Isaiah Glasker is your guy. Six foot five, and all of six foot five, folks. I called high school games that he played in at Bingham High School. He is six foot five, 210 pounds. And if he get, truly has the range that people envision him having, I actually thought he was a better wide receiver prospect than he was a defensive back, but BYU brought him in as a defensive back. Six foot five, 205 pounds. We're talking, if he lives up to his potential, we're talking the next Andrew Rich type guy. A guy who could end up maybe weighing 220 pounds when all is said and done, but the ability to cover every corner of the field as a as a safety. If Isaiah Glasker is always cracked up to be, keep an eye on him. He's a, he's a freshman once again this year, and I think he is a guy that you could see start to make a move. I don't necessarily think that he ends up in the rotation this year, barring something unforeseen, but going into Big 12 play, he is a guy who's got a big role, I think down the road for the BYU football program. Other names to, that are on this position group include Dean Jones, a former rodeo star who played football late in his high school career. Uh, Merge, six foot two, 195 pounds, is a redshirt sophomore, was a scout team member last year. Carter Krupp is an incoming true freshman at six foot one, 210 pounds. And then also Ethan Slade uh, saw action in two games as a special teamer a year ago, six foot 190 pounds. Slade is a local product, a walk on from Orem High School. I've actually watched Slade play at the high school level, and he is more in the mold of a Hayden Livingston 
slash Matthew Criddle than anything else, but I think actually more athletic than both of them. Very young, probably has to bide his time before really emerging as a safety for BYU. But the nice part is that we go through like, what, 10 names there for BYU safety group. They are well stocked for both this year in 2021 and also moving forward into Big 12 play at the safety position. If all of these guys, especially led by a guy like Malik Moore, live up to their potential, that safety group could be one of the best safety groups we've seen in some time for BYU. I think there's production there that you can count on. I think there's also... uh, youth and potential out there. They're also looking at it as a little tantalizing as well. As I think this season in 2021, let's be real, it's all kind of a prelude to getting in to the Big 12. Well, why not give some guys some looks potentially in some of these games? Maybe they're a blowout one way or the other. You have the FCS game against uh, Utah Tech. Use those opportunities to get these guys some game action. See what you got. And then you can really, I think, get a, a a glimpse forward of what the future is for the safeties group for BYU. But overall, I am intrigued with this group. Like I said, there's proven production there. They're led by a nice uh, quartet of guys, I think, at the top of the group who will comprise what I would imagine is the rotation, but also some guys nipping at their heels as well with the opportunity to potentially show what they can do in training camp. But the nice part is a lot of talent, and that's a good thing to have if you're Ed Lamb as the safeties coach for BYU. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll round out today's show with the other news involved in BYU sports. One of the all-timers for BYU women's basketball will not return to Provo. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball scores, MMA, boxing, and golf. It's all available now at BetOnline.net. It is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It also is the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season as well. So get over to betonline.net. Use your mobile device if you want to use that to check it out to learn more about the trends in action available to you now. It's all courtesy of your friends at BetOnline where the game starts. The NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for checking us out here on Locked On Cougars. I want to remind you guys, if you haven't done so already, uh, I'm going to try and point this the right way. There we go. Down in this right corner, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that button. Subscribe for more podcasts. Uh, subscribe, enable notifications, mash that like button, leave comments, uh, your questions, all that stuff. You guys are critical to our success, but I'm not leaving out our regular podcast listeners. We've got thousands of you guys who also check out the show every single day. Make sure if you have not done so already, please leave us a rating and review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, a comment on Spotify, every single one of those, every interaction you guys have with the show on your various podcast uh, platforms, whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, you guys know what I'm talking about. Every interaction you guys make, it makes a dent with the algorithms and actually allows more BYU fans to find us and also helps us find more BYU fans in turn. It's a big 
a big convoluted mess, but your guys' support is absolutely critical to what we are doing here. All right, before we go on today's show, I guess we say thank you for the memories to Shaylee Gonzalez. She announced on Instagram that she is transferring from BYU to play for the University of Texas. She will be a Longhorn for what is expected to be her final two years of eligibility. She has at least two remaining. Uh, she entered the transfer portal on June 3rd, and she announced that she's committed to play for the Texas Longhorns, one of the great uh, women's basketball programs, a perennial power out there and I figure she is going to be a very critical piece for the Longhorns the crazy thing about this is BYU could see her playing against uh, Texas uh, before Texas departs for the Big 12 Conference it's crazy enough but uh, it's seems to be a little bit of a stretch that it actually happens, but a native of Chandler, Arizona, she's absolutely incredible, leading BYU as a true freshman with 17 points per game, second nationally among freshmen, also had 4.1 assists per contest, but then she just continued to grow and grow and grow. She did have a torn ACL, missed all of the 2019-2020 season, but she came back and was named the West Coast Conference Co-Player of the Year for this past season. She was an Associated Press All-American Honorable Mention uh, honoree. She is one of the all-timers for BYU BYU and truly could have uh, cemented herself as maybe what a top five, top three women's basketball player at BYU had she remained in Provo, but she is moving on. I also understand why she is doing it. I think the NIL opportunities, and she's been very, very on top of these opportunities. Her coach that recruited her to BYU, the staff that brought her in, uh, Sands Lee Kamard, uh, have all moved on. Uh, Jeff Judkins retiring, I think, obviously pushed her to go into the transfer portal and look at her options. I wanted to see her back in a BYU uniform in a very bad way, but alas, it was not meant to be for BYU. And I guess the biggest thing you can say is thank you for the memory, Shaylee, and best of luck down there in Austin. I hope you go out there and kill it. All right, other news we need to get to is BYU men's basketball. We knew they were going to play Creighton down in Las Vegas as part of their non-conference schedule this year. We finally learned the date, though. It'll be on December 10th. It'll be part of the Jack Jones Hoop Fest uh, will be held at Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay Resort. Uh, Michelob Ultra Arena is actually where the Las Vegas Aces uh, play their home games in the WNBA. It's actually a pretty good facility. Uh, kind of intimate. I actually had a chance to watch some of the Pac-12 Women's Basketball Tournament down there in Vegas this past spring. So I think this is going to be a fun one. Uh, BYU will take on Creighton on December 10th in that. Uh, funny enough, there will be another local school, a Utah school, Southern Utah, is going to take on Cal State Fullerton as part of that hoop fest at the same venue. Uh, Tip-off times are not announced yet, I would assume. Uh, it looks like the way they've set this up, it'll be a doubleheader featuring Fullerton and Southern Utah and then BYU and Creighton. I'm guessing that's how it will go in terms of the overall tip times. And then actually two days later in Michelob Ultra Arena, Creighton's going to stick around to take on Arizona State. So two big games for the Creighton Blue Jays, who are probably a preseason top 15 team, if not top 10. A big opportunity for BYU down there on a neutral court. Uh, looking forward to that. And if you got an opportunity to do so, I'd get down there and watch the Cougars support them as they take on the Creighton Blue Jays at Michelob Ultra Arena. All right, that is going to do it for today's edition of the show. A big thank you once again for you guys' support of the podcast. As always, we cannot do it without you guys. Uh, thank you for making us your first listen. Now go make our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast, your second listen of the day. Uh, Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you guys are up to date on everything you need to know about as a Big 12 uh, fan in 30 minutes or less. Check that out wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one. Until next time, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 12th, 2022. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.